Hello and welcome to today's podcast. Today we're looking at uh, university choices and we're here with Dr. Hayley Woods, who's our resident higher education advisor, isn't that correct? Yes, that is correct. Okay, and what we want to talk about specifically today is your US entry because um, it's a little bit more complicated than the UK, isn't it really? It is, yeah. Um, whereas the UK students apply through UCAS and it's a centralised system and every single course, every single university is on UCAS, only one personal statement needs to be written and that's the job done pretty much for the student. In the US it's much more complicated, much more involved. Uh, students have to sit a pre-admissions test which we'll speak about a little bit later so that's the SAT or the ACT they also have to write essays they have to request teacher recommendations and the whole process does become quite timely and also quite difficult yeah I mean each each university takes probably the equivalent of doing the UK of doing the whole of the UK procedure doesn't it in a lot of the cases yes yeah. so some universities require what is called supplemental essays where they will give essay prompts to the student and they have to answer them and if a student is applying particularly to selective universities this becomes quite a big part of the process sure um before we get into this, I mean, I think one thing that we need to be really clear to all of our students and to the wider audience that we are addressing here is, are A-levels okay for the US universities? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So the level of the A-level is equivalent to what the US call AP, uh, which is um, advanced um, it's their advanced level of education. So an A-level is equivalent to that, and not all students in the US take the AP. So when students are leaving GIS with their A-levels, they're actually a very attractive uh, prospect for colleges because they have a high level of education. And in some cases, when they start university in year one, they already have credits uh, towards their degree because of the high level of the qualification. Yeah, that's very true, and, and certainly true in computer science that actually they can skip quite a few of the beginner coding courses. Yeah. Um, and my students said that their first term was made a lot easier. Absolutely, yeah. Um, particularly sort of maths courses, mm -hmm. if their course does contain some first year math then they will not have to take that in a lot of the cases if they have a maths A level. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. So I think I think I wanted to just get out of the way because we all know that, but not everybody yes, does. Yes. Right, so let's take ourselves through the, to, through the process. What's the first thing a student needs to do in year 12 if they're considering going to the US? So in year 12, I think that they the student needs to be aware of what US education is like compared yes. to other areas of the world. So in a nutshell, US education is much more broad uh, than it is, say, in the UK or Canada or Australia, for example. Um, so students generally get to take quite a few modules from different subject areas in the first couple of years before they even decide what major they want to take. So it's just about getting to grips with what US education can mm -hmm. offer and whether that's the right fit for the student. Beyond that, then they need to start narrowing down their searches, sure. having a look for colleges that they like the look of, courses that they like the look of, and then 
preparing for essays. Yes. Because um, essays require a certain skill set, yes. which is like creative writing, storytelling, yes. which sometimes students do struggle with a little bit, particularly if they're not doing a creative subject at A-level and mm-hmm. aren't used to that style of writing. So it's about starting to draft, yeah. using the internet to do some research on what a good essay is, reading some good essays, drafting it, um, and also preparing to sit the SAT if they haven't already sat the SAT. Yeah, I mean, that's basically about most students are setting them starting possibly in December of year 12, isn't it? Yeah, so I'd say, you know, December, af- after the Christmas holidays yes. in year 12, starting to at least think about and doing research. Research is the number one thing that students need to be doing. Um, at the moment, our year 12s, quite a lot of them have already sat the SAT and are preparing to resit it in May. Mm. Uh, a lot of students do take it twice, sometimes yes. three times, just to improve upon the score. So the earlier you can sit the SAT, perhaps March of year 12, yes. uh, the, the easier it would be then to retake if you needed to. But also, I think it's quite common in the US to retake those exams, it's isn't very it? very common, And yeah. I think it's considered popping up your grade rather than yeah. uh, any... There's no consequence, basically, no, of retaking, is there? No, there's no consequence. And, yeah, students do tend to sit more than once. Okay, yeah. that's good. And I think that's important for them to understand that it is a kind of multiple game and they get two or three chances. Yes, yeah, um, absolutely. So, the next one is, is the SAT is possibly the most famous US exam ever. Yeah. But there is another exam, the ACT. Can you tell me about the differences yeah, between so those two exams? there are some slight differences. The structure is very similar the style of question is quite similar, but um, the SAT standard paper uh, tests a student on maths and reading and writing only. And then there is the option to do subject tests. Um, so a student could then take an SAT subject test in chemistry, economics, physics, whatever it is that relates to the course that they want to study. The SAT is actually split into four sections so you've got maths reading and writing an english section and a science section so if maths isn't your strong point then you've got a chance to pick up some marks in other sections Um, what i would suggest is both tests do need preparation absolutely but maybe have a look at the structure of the test before you decide what is for you. Mm. Uh, if you look at the ACT and think, oh, actually, I quite like that science section, I can answer quite a lot of those questions. Um, whereas when you're looking at the SAT, you're struggling with some of the sections, it may actually be better to go down the ACT route. Yeah. But it's, it really is dependent on the student, and the student should be looking at the papers yes. and making that decision. It's also worth noting that some of our students do decide to sit both and see which one they do better in. Yeah. Um, and I think that that is okay for some students, but it is time-consuming. Yeah. My advice would be have a look at the papers, choose one, and then start your preparation for that. Yeah, because you are going to have to put quite a lot of Absolutely, serious preparation yeah. in because they're quite, even though we say English, they're quite quirky, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I think it's worth preparing for mm. the style of question that's going to be asked. Now, another thing that we have to be aware of is this so-called native speaker test. Yes. Uh, now, 
to anybody outside of gardening. Pretty much all of our students are native speakers, but that's not how the universities think of it. How do the universities decide who's a native speaker and what do you need to do if you're not considered a native speaker? Yeah, so a university will consider somebody a native speaker if they have a particular nationality. Um, so countries where English is the first language and is recognised as the first language don't need to take uh, an English proficiency test. But for example, students who were born in Malaysia um, will have to prove their level of English, even if English is their first language or is a native language to them. So in that case, there are a couple of tests that can be sure. taken. The first one is TOEFL, mm -hmm. which is usually the one that people would take for the US, but there is also IELTS. And if a student is also applying to the UK, where IELTS is a requirement, then you can use that test score for the, the US universities. Yeah. I mean, basically, they expect TOEFL, but they're quite happy with yeah. IELTS. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's fair. And also IELTS is good for Australia too, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. that those are good things. So we've got through the initial SATs. Yes. We've done our IELTS or our TOEFL test. So uh, what, what's next in the actual application? So the next step really would be when students come back in year 13. And that's when the gears get cranked up and the pressure is on. Um, and quite a lot of time is taken up with these applications. So the next step would be to create a Common App account. So I'll just talk a little bit about Common yeah. App. So that is a little bit like UCAS, a little bit, in that it is a centralised system where you, students can apply to a range of universities. It's also worth noting that the majority of universities are on Common App, but there are some that aren't. And that means that you need to directly apply to the university. Are there any of those any universities that the students would really want Absolutely. to go to? Absolutely. So I'll just name a couple. Yeah. So University of California, mm -hmm. they have seven institutions in the University of California, and each one of them is applied to via their system okay. and has an earlier deadline, which is the 30th of November. Oh, but it's, so a very, it's a bit of an easier application than oh, okay. Common App. Uh, and you can apply to all seven universities just by ticking a box, basically. Oh, that's good then. Um, uh, there's also MIT, mm -hmm. um, University of Washington, University mm. of Texas, Georgetown, and there are quite a few more sure. as well. I mean, I remember the MIT application is very different. They've got a strong emphasis on makers and your actual contribution to society. Yeah. Um, you shouldn't really even be thinking about applying to MIT unless you made some kind of difference and yeah. you made some something yes. of great interest to Absolutely. them. They're looking for change makers, they're looking for innovative minds, yeah. people with ideas, but not just with ideas, people who put ideas into action. Yeah. Um, so MIT are looking for absolutely stellar academic performance across from year 10 all the way up to year 13 yeah. and also people who are making a difference. Yeah. Um, so yeah, very yeah. very selective. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we've you've either got to choose that or you do the common application. So the yes. common application, what's involved with that? So in the common application, the student enters all their personal details, mm -hmm. their course choices, mm -hmm. 
and that is also where they upload their essays and okay. transcripts. So what kind of essays are normally asked for on this Common App? Um, so the Common App prompts, there are seven questions to choose from. They're all available online, mm -hmm. so any, absolutely anybody can find those questions. Yes. And a student needs to pick one of them okay. uh, and answer one of them. So okay. that is that is the bare minimum. Yes. But then each university on Common App will tell you what their supplemental essays are. Okay. Uh, and they also do need to be answered and uploaded by the deadline. And they vary quite a lot, right? Yeah, they can, yes. So okay. the university will have their own question and they can change year on year yeah. as well. It's totally up to the college. Okay. And I assume that they're all plagiarism checked. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. just making sure that That you is know. very rigorous, so yes. do not steal anybody else's no. work. But I think we need to mention that. that you yeah, know, for sure. You can't be, uh, you can be inspired by the internet, yeah. but if you start typing anything close. Yeah, and you know, what they're looking for is you and your own personal story. Yeah. So there's no point in copying someone else's story that isn't true to you. Yeah. Because ultimately you might end up at a college that isn't for you. Yes. And the college may end up with a student that doesn't fit their demographic, doesn't yeah. fit their ethos, and that is not a good relationship between no, it's college not. And, and the student. And they can be very, very different from each other, can't Absolutely, they? Absolutely, yeah. Um, and it, you know, it's within the student's best interest that they're finding a course and a college where they're going to be happy mm. and where they are going to thrive and be successful. So it is about you and it has to be personal okay. to you. So um, there are two types of application in the US. There's early entry and there's yeah. uh, normal Regular, entry. Yeah. Is there any advantage to either of those? Yes, so there is early decision or early action and then regular decision. Mm -hmm. So early decision, um, is a process where the student applies to the university by the 1st of November. Okay. Um, and they tell the university ultimately through this type of application, yes. if you do offer me a place at your university, I have to accept that place. Okay. So it is a contract. Yes. You are bound to that contract. Yes. Um, early action is very similar. However, you are not bound to the contract. Okay. Um, the advantages of early decision are that the student has a bit of a better chance yes. of getting a place. Yes. Because obviously the, the university knows that this student is making a serious application mm -hmm. and they are an exceptional student. Yes. So I would only ever recommend early decision if a student has a consistently strong academic background from year 10 yes. all the way up to year 13 has done something exceptional within yes. their community mm -hmm. within a particular talent realm mm -hmm. within sports mm -hmm. something innovative mm -hmm. has really made a change yes. within a particular area yeah. um, that is the type of student they would be looking for with mm -hmm. early action or early okay. decision Okay, that's that's fine. Yeah. So you've put your applications in, and yeah. then roughly when do students get to know the uh, results? So it's around this time, actually. Okay. So it's and end we're, we're of towards March. the end of March. Yeah, now, yeah. and each college has a set a different date, mm -hmm. uh, but most students should find out by the start of April if they've been successful. Okay, 
So it is quite a long process and obviously we do have a lot of help in, in Garden for our students but I think this is a great thing for those of you in year 11 and year 12 to make sure you, you, you're up to date and know the process. Yeah. Thank you very much for your time. No is there problem. anything else you'd like to add? Um, if you want to find out a little bit more about US applications, one website that I would absolutely direct you to is College Board. So College Board is an essential website for anybody wanting to find out anything about the US. They have an amazing search tool with lots of filters where you can narrow down your choices and start to think about what college might be for you and if the US is for you. So that would be a great starter for that sort of information. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. No problem. Thank Bye -bye. you.